RPC Radio. Radio. Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered. Welcome to the podcast that covers anything and everything to do with insurance. Coming up in this episode. I was talking to two entrepreneurs and in that discussion, I talked about you know them becoming an MGA and I explained what an MGA is. And it was kind of fun because at the end of that discussion, they were like, by the way, we, uh, we knew we wanted to be an MGA and we knew MGA stood for, but we didn't know what it actually meant or how it fit in. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner in the law firm RPC, and in each episode I am joined by a guest and we discuss an aspect of the wonderful world of insurance. And this week we have Ed Gaze, and we are going to discuss insurance terminology. Now, Ed was our sixth ever guest back in 2020, when our topic was the Lloyds Lab, the accelerator for insurtechs based at Lloyds. At the time, Ed was the head of the Lloyds Lab, but in August 2022, Ed moved to be the co-founder and CEO of Innovative Risk Labs, or IRL, a company which also works with new insurtechs. Given his extensive experience with insurtechs, he is now well and truly part of the insurance landscape. But it was only a mere four years ago that he joined the Lloyds Lab, and before that, he had no links to insurance at all. So he is still an insurance newbie, and of course, he has worked alongside many others who are new to insurance. As such, there is no one better to talk about the idiosyncrasies of insurance terminology, which is what we're going to discuss today. So, Ed, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Peter. Uh, thanks for having me back. Uh, and uh, first up, how's the new business going? How, how's IRL trundling along so far? Well, it's been an adventure so far, actually. I've never worked for uh, such a small business before, let alone run one. But I mean, it's it's really fun, you know. Um, I can make quick decisions and define the direction of the business, and uh, we've adapted our plan quite a bit since August. So it's really good fun, and obviously, it's underpinned by InsureTech. So I love meeting InsureTechs, working with them, seeing what they're doing, and I get to continue doing that. Um, four years loving running the Lloyd's Lab and working with InsureTechs, and now similar at IRL. Brilliant, brilliant. And uh, t- today's topic about insurance jargon was your suggestion, um, I believe, when we were discussing kind of get, getting you back on and what what we, what we might want to talk about. And you said, yeah, what about insurance terminology? So why did you think that would be a good topic for us to discuss? Well, it's something I've come across all the time. And I think when you're, if you've been in insurance a long time, you kind of it's like natural language to you. Whereas to me and others who are new, it's like every conversation where there's some of the terminology, it kind of trips you up a little bit and you have to think about what it means. And there was a particular example where this um, triggered me a while ago when I was talking to two entrepreneurs, one of whom is like a surgeon in the NHS and the other is a private equity guy, both really experienced people. And I was talking to them about their idea for an insurtech and in that discussion, I talked about, you know, them becoming an MGA and I explained what an MGA is, assuming they probably didn't know. And it was kind of fun because at the end of that discussion, they were like, by the way, we uh, we knew we wanted to be an MGA and we knew MGA stood for, but we didn't know what it actually meant or how it fit in. And, um, you know, and uh, I guess they're sometimes a bit afraid to ask early days and 
And it, it, it just means that the conversations they're having, they don't quite 100% understand what's going on, I think, sometimes. And, you know, it needs a friendly face to be able to ask the silly questions that they think are silly, but are actually really fundamental. So that was what triggered it. But I come across it all the time in short text, not really understanding the terminology. And, and, and MJ is a particularly bizarre one, isn't it? Because historically, you know, the managing general agents were the managing general agents for an insurer located some distance away but now mjs they don't manage they're not general and they're not agents not really so yeah it's a great start to this particular conversation um mgas because it's 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 a weird 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 set of initials well i didn't know that was the background of the name actually so that kind of makes sense but it's not really what they are nowadays is it so uh, not really no and i'm sure we'll come back to come back to them a bit later on in our discussion but at the outset of this particular discussion we should start with a, a disclaimer on both our behalves uh, which is that if insurance is a circle kind of with proper insurance people being inside the circle and non-insurance people being outside the circle i think it's probably fair to say Ed, that the you and i are we are inside the circle but probably only just kind yeah. of we're, we're just inside the circle so the, 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 there's a lot of jargon that, uh, that that you know we do not know, and kind of speaking very personally on on this this occasion, there have been many times when I've been speaking to uh, someone who is much closer to the centre of the circle, and the truth is I don't really have the faintest idea what they are saying. <laughs> they, they, is, is that a, a, an experience that you that you share? <laughs> yes. So I mean, when I started the lab, it was like. I'd be in meetings with people <laughs> like to an extent I'd, I'd, I'd ask what that meant. And, but then sometimes it becomes too often in a, in a, in a discussion and I'm like, okay. Um, I mean, I'm much better now, but still like certain things trip me up. You know, when someone uses an acronym for a class of business or something, like I, I I'm still thinking about what that acronym meant 30 seconds later in the conversation. So yeah, that's definitely my experience. And it's definitely the experience of startups that are trying to break into the industry too. Anyway, we've got to get through a lot um, in this conversation yeah. because there's a lot of insurance jargon, um, and obviously we're, we're not going to have a hope of getting through it all. But uh, we'll try. We'll try. We'll, we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> and, and, and we're, and we're going to do it through sort of two or three kind of silly games. So the first game that I want to start with is name that insurer, in which we we take it in turns to come up with as many words for insurer as we can think of, okay? <laughs> it's a long list. <laughs> so, so, so I'll start. I'll start with insurer. There you go. That's an easy way to start. Well, it's kind of technically not an insurer, but people would say it anyway, is it, underwriter. Okay. Another one which is maybe slightly kind of not necessarily right, but syndicate. Let's go with syndicate, which is within within Lloyd's. That's where, where insurance is underwritten. Yeah, and if you're sticking on Lloyd's, then it, you've got managing agent as well, which is kind of not really that they're the they manage the syndicate, but again, it's used synonymously. And and interestingly, when you've got managing agent, and I'm going to cheat here and do a second one, MGA, because we've already talked about it. It's like when you say there's a managing agent and then there's a managing general agent, I get the vibe and the feel that the MGA is more important than the managing agent because like the word general in there just makes it seem more broad, but mm. actually it's not. So it's kind of one of those things is a bit counterintuitive, I think. Yes, <laughs> yes. 
counterintuitive could well be the theme running through kind of this particular episode. Okay, I'm going to go next with uh, reinsurer, which is obviously the insurer of uh, an insurer. Yeah. And if you're sticking in reinsurance, then retrocessionaire. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that one. That one has always so so yeah. The, the insurer of an insurer is a reinsurer. The insurer of a reinsurer, retrocessionaire. I mean, seriously, where does that come from? You know, I know it's all about cedents and seed. Anyway, let, let's not go on about it. Uh, captive is my next one. Captive. That used to st- that. that uh, I remember the first few conversations when people were talking about captives. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, so so we should explain. A, a captive is is, is effectively. Normally, a large company will have its own insurance company that provides insurance for at least the first bit of an insurance. The, the, their, their own risks, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But then they might reinsure into Lloyd's or something. They, they, exactly, exactly. Okay, um, my turn. Mutual. Mutual. We like that one very loosely. They're, they're, they're an insurance company that doesn't have shareholders, isn't it? So it, it's... Any profits go back to the members rather than to shareholders. I think, I think is the uh, vague definition. P and I Club, P and I Club, excellent. P and I Club, which uh, so that's protection and indemnity, which is a, a type of mutual for marine-y sort of things. I think it sounds fun though, doesn't it? It, it, it sounds like the club that you want to be a member of. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and so we, we we talked about MGA, and I I didn't add in. I should have done MGU. Managing general underwriter. And that one's funny because I remember like people were telling me like MGU, MGA, um, cover holder, all, all these things. There's another one I threw in there. But oh, <laughs> you, you're just taking my next answer. <laughs> <laughs> but but like it's funny because I like I, I early doors, I was thinking like all these different things, what are they? And then I spoke to someone senior at Lloyd's and they said, they're all the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, but someone assures me they're not. And they're like, they're all the same thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've so, cheated there. I've done two again. You've done two. So, so whilst we're on uh, sort of MGAs, effectively the, the 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 normal insurance process is underwriting and money, effectively, and MGA splits that out. So the MGA does the underwriting, in which case the money, the insurer, just becomes known as the capacity provider. So there you go. That's uh, I'm going to put capacity provider as, as my my next one. I used to be in management consulting and we used to talk about capacity and that was, I guess it's a similar concept, but it was a capacity we had to take on new work. And I guess it's just the same thing, but for capacity, it's kind of makes sense, but yeah, I've got another one, which is carrier. And I remember like, I'm sure I wouldn't have known what a carrier, like if you just said carrier, I would have thought like pigeon, <laughs> like, <laughs> next, like, you know, what's the next word you say when you hear that word? Uh, but then actually James Corden was in Ocean's 12 or something. I'm not sure. And he was the he was rep, the representative of the carrier. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, wow. <laughs> like they're actually trying to make an insurance person look kind of fun <laughs> and talk about carriers in a, in a Hollywood film. But uh, anyway, that, that's my next one, carrier. Carrier is good. Uh, legacy. I'm going to go with legacy, which I don't really know what that means. I don't, it, it just means <laughs> I know old, generally what I it think. means, but... I wouldn't yeah. have put it on the list. Yeah. So, uh, so I, th- I think a legacy insurer, uh, I, I, I think a legacy insurer is just when, when I don't know, run off or, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Old insurance, legacy insurance. So, okay, cool. Well, um, I, okay, so 
if we go for Lloyd's terminology, then um, I'm thinking again, it's, it's kind of not an insurer, but it's a, a way of describing an insurer as a, a leader. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And, and therefore follower. So the leader would be the, 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 the syndicate or, or company, I suppose it can be, which takes on the kind of the lead role, it, not necessarily the largest percentage of the risk, um, although it often is, but uh, they contractually take on the, the lead role and the followers follow. So, yeah. Um, and uh, it, it, incumbent is a word which I, 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 I see in relation to insurers, which is it's just a wonderful word, really. Um, it, <laughs> it's so, but I, I think that simply means kind of insurers that have been around for a while. Um, uh, yeah. In contrast to startups or kind of trendy young things, like right? That. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Okay, uh, I might, I might, but that's quite a good list, I think. And I'm sure there are plenty of others as well that that uh, that we haven't thought of. So, and so that's insurer. The other main party um, is, of course, the insured, um, unless they're called the assured, which is what you get in life assurance. Um, there is a technical difference, um, or at least you know, in theory, there's a technical difference in that with insurance, the risk doesn't necessarily happen, whereas with assurance, the risk will always happen. So with life assurance, you will die. It, that That is assured. Um, and uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry about that, Ed. Um, but so, so that's why it's called assurance. But the reality is no one kind of really uses that distinction anymore. Uh, the other phase is policy holder. Um, for insured, which I've also thought is a slightly bizarre thing, since both sides will hold the policy. So it's kind of having been in Lloyd's a long time, the um, a long time, four years. Um, <laughs> the talking about the insured, it's kind of interesting because then obviously they're like the end customer and the, or the client, but often like there's a blurred line when you talk about the who's the customer and stuff because it's sometimes you're thinking of the ins- the broker as your customer if you're an insurer. And like you're serving the broker and then the broker is serving the customer. So it's kind of like sometimes there's this con- confusion. I've had this in meeting rooms with people in lawyers plenty of times when they talk about, oh, well, our, our customers, whatever, whatever. And you're like, what do you mean? Do you mean the brokers or do you mean the end insured? And it's kind of one of those things where I've been in plenty of meetings where people have had to like specify what they mean on that, which is kind of a bit awkward, isn't it? Um, yes. And, and the other thing which people in the w- within the circle um, just trot out is the difference between wholesale and retail broker, which is one where I, I because it, neither of those are natural to me, I, I, I it's just a distinction that I don't really follow. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I prefer the, the old school um, kind of is to producing broker. So the, the the broker that produces the work from the underlying insured, and then the placing broker that actually places it within the market. Yeah. Um, that that's how I, I was. That's how I was always brought up on. I think that's awkward too, particularly like retail, because when you say retail broker, I think consumer like mm. personal lines, but it doesn't necessarily mean personal lines. You know, so it's the retail broker is the person with the client relationship, and then the wholesale is the you know, it could be the same as the retail, but probably not. They're the person like this on the Lloyd's, probably Lloyd's side of it. But it, yeah, that kind of the use of retail broker, I find a bit awkward and a bit, it, a bit counterintuitive again. Yeah. Yeah. And when you put all that together, so insurer, insured, broker, what do you get, Ed? What do you get? You get the value chain. The value chain. Beautiful. 
Yeah, it's, it's something which I'd never come across for yeah, for years and years and years, but but it, it crops up all the time now that I see it. And I, anyway, I, I probably came from the consultant somewhere. Probably, probably. It, it's one of those phases that I'm, yeah, I'm the value chain. Bless them. Um, anyway, let's move on to another game. And I think you'll enjoy this one. Well, you 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 might or you might not enjoy it, but but uh, it's called dictionary. Sorry, I, I didn't put on my game voice. It's called dictionary versus insurance. Um, so um, I'm going to read out a dictionary definition mm-hmm. of a word that is commonly used in insurance, right. and you have to guess what the word is. Um, and I'm going to be reading from my 1990 concise Oxford dictionary. Oh, that makes a difference. It's the it, does. It, yeah, does. Okay, right. it does. It does. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm with you. And, and and as a further clue, that they all relate to insurance documents, other than the last one. Oh, okay. Um, right. So, okay. Yeah. So so a. So let's start with this one as the first one. So the dictionary definition is a course or principle of action adopted or proposed by a government party, business, or individual, etc. So what common insurance word is that? Um, ah, yeah, it's a uh, policy. Policy, exactly. So it's like like a, a, economic policy. Yeah, I like this game. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or HR policy, something like that. So yeah. So the second one is a list or plan of intended events, times, etc., or a tabulated inventory, etc., especially as an appendix to a document. Okay. Yeah. This is a schedule. Schedule, yes. I'm glad you said schedule and not schedule. Um, <laughs> would, that be, uh, would that be a wrong answer? <laughs> well, my English teacher, the great John Telfer Campbell, told me that it was pronounced schedule and not schedule. Schedule, he said, was an Americanism. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, the, the 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 dictionary says you can pronounce it either way. So, Fair. okay. Um, well, I'm so two out of two right now. I'm, I'm you, two good. out of two. Um, and, and people will say, but that, but that is what a, a schedule actually is, an insurance schedule. And I'd say, well, no, it's not. You know, if you have a contract with a, like a, a schedule of fixtures and fittings, that's just the list of stuff that you put on the end of the contract. In the insurance contract, the the, the schedule is includes the name of one of the parties, um, and it, it, it's not really a schedule. It's you know, it's something much more important than that. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the next dictionary definition is, you'll like this one, uh, slide unintentionally, especially for a short <laughs> distance, lose one's footing or balance. <laughs> that one's easy, that's slip. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So so that's a Lloyd's thing. Um, effectively, the, the the document that goes around Lloyd's is, is um, and is signed up by various insurers is, is called the slip. Uh, next one, um, a record in a driving license of a conviction for a motoring offence. Uh, points, no. Uh, record. No, no. You, just, you said that in the definition. I don't know. Then. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's endorsement. Oh, endorsement. <laughs> so uh, the, the other meaning of endorsement is obviously, you know, the, you know, Kim Kardashian says that this policy is amazing, kind of like a celebrity endorsement. Um, but yes. uh, but but the one thing it isn't is what we call it. Um, yes, effectively like... what we call endorsement. Everyone else in the world would just call an amendment, contractual amendment. Yeah. Exactly. Amendments. Why do um, they use endorsement? Exactly. Um, next one: an offer of marriage. Uh, yeah, that's a proposal. 
proposal exactly and because yeah. uh, the, the document that we call a proposal proposes nothing at all um it just answers lots of questions yeah <laughs> um and uh, the final one this one isn't an insurance document um a, a reward or prize of best quality and therefore more expensive uh you're gonna have to help me on that one that's premium uh, <laughs> or prize so you get a reward of paying me some money. <laughs> exactly. So, 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 so when, when you're looking around, you, you go on your comparison website and you buy the cheapest motor insurance possible, you're paying a premium for the cheapest possible. I, I think that's not that's not right. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's counterintuitive. So, yeah, so in terms of our documents, we have a, a policy that isn't really a policy, a schedule that isn't really a schedule, uh, endorsements that aren't really endorsements. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it's it's and what a wonderful world insurance is it's, it's these false friends i think which it's like i remember when i was learning french um and i'm terrible now as i was then but learning french and there's like some words in french which sound like an english word but they're actually they mean something different it's it's kind of just like that it's, it's a false friend i'd say so that that last one premium kind of brings us on to the, the financial side of insurance and to be honest we could be here for another hour if we just started talking about all the ways in which capital is, is described, but so we're not going to do that. Um, so, so the question for you, Ed, um, are all insurance policies a policy of indemnity, meaning compensation? Oh, no, no. I mean, I have done so many panels on parametric insurance that uh, I would <laughs> crucify <laughs> myself if I didn't get that. <laughs> I was I was hoping I was hoping that that's what you'd say. Cause, yeah, because obviously parametric policies are are not compensation. You'll probably ought to explain what a parametric policy is. Yeah, and actually, I think maybe a life insurance policy is basically that a parametric policy. Is. So parametric insurance is where um, it's kind of if this, then that. So you agree that should a certain event happen and you quantify that event. So let's say a flood goes over one meter, then you'll get paid out, let's say, £500,000. So it's very much defined. We all know where we're at. But the thing is, there's the risk that, you know, the actual payout doesn't cover the loss um, the basis risk is there. So you've got to make sure your customer really understands what they're buying. Uh, flip side, actually, they could get more of a payout than the cost. But it basically is a lot of the innovation that we see in InsurTechs, a lot, there's a lot of parametric innovation. And that's because there's lots of new data sources people can use to create if this, then that type policies. And they're really, they're much cheaper to um, to deal with as well. So, But the vast majority of our policies are policies of, of indemnity aiming to compensate the insured for the loss that that insured suffers. Um, yeah. Having said that, most policies will include an upper limit to the indemnity, and that's known as the, the, the limit of indemnity or or perhaps you know the sum insured. But there we go. This is our next kind of tranche of, of words. The first element of any policy is normally paid by the insured itself. And, and what is that first element called? Ah, so this depends on where you are and what kind of policy you've got, I think, because coming into this industry, I would have said excess, but that's not necessarily all the answer, always the answer, is it? <laughs> it? It tends to be excess, doesn't it? But it can also be deductible. Well, yeah, well, that's what I discovered when I was at Lloyd's and people talk about deductibles. I'm like, what's deductible? And they're like, well, it's like excess. Like, well, why don't you call it excess? Because it's a deductible. <laughs> <laughs> I think, once again, historically, there was a technical distinction right that for an excess that the limit of indemnity was paid in excess of the excess uh -huh. whereas a deductible was taken off 
the limit of indemnity. So it was deducted from the limit of indemnity. Right. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, okay. so you, I mean, all these things have a history and a reason, I guess. Yeah. So just it makes it difficult for people like me coming into the industry. Yeah, exactly. And, and particularly when it's also sometimes called the retention. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that it's not retained. Yeah, all the bit that basically self-insured, you're, you're self-insured for the first part. Ah, now you've triggered me now, Ed, because self-insured is... It, so insurance is all about the transfer of risk mm-hmm. to a third party. So you cannot be self-insured. Right, yeah, fair. It, it's, exactly. it, is, it, it, is, it, is, it is a euphemism for uninsured. Yeah, it's true. So we have an excess and we will stick with excess for the moment. And we have a limit of indemnity and we'll stick with limit of indemnity. And let's say the limit of indemnity is five million pounds. But what if I need more than five million pounds worth of insurance? So, well, I can buy some more layers um, above that. That's the way the insurance works. So in that situation, the, the original layer of insurance becomes known as the primary layer. So if if the original layer is called the primary layer, what logically do you think the next layer will be called? Logically, the next layer is secondary. But we both know that isn't the case. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no, it's it's called, so it should be secondary, tertiary, quaternary or whatever, shouldn't it? But, uh, But it's called the first excess layer, isn't it? So first excess layer, second excess layer. Let's keep it simple. Yeah. Why can't it just be called first layer, second layer, third layer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And all of these layers form an insurance tower, as it's called, despite the fact that that is the most obvious of mixed metaphors, because in in the real world, towers are not made of layers. This is probably going a little bit too pedantic, um, kind of, you know, but uh, so cakes are made of layers. It should be an insurance cake. You're right. It should be an insurance cake. It should be yeah. a Victoria sponge. And it's got insurance. nice connotations then as well, isn't it? It does. It does. It does. Kind of. And you, could, yeah, you could, you know, but this, I'm going to contribute to the to the jam layer. I'm going to <laughs> subscribe to the cream layer. Um, so um, and and or, or clothing that comes in layers as well. So you could have you know the the, the vest layer and the and the the t shirt layer and yeah whatever so. that works. Yeah, the underwear. The yeah, <laughs> the underwear. Yeah, the underwear. Maybe not. Um, and uh, obviously, the, there's a an, another phrase called the, the round the clock reinstatement. So uh, if, if you, you some policies will have a clause that. Um, you can start a new. So once that tower has completely been exhausted, you can start a new tower for effectively for fresh claims. Um, and uh, in in that situation, if you if you have a tower and the, and the round the clock reinstatement, you you're probably talking about a, a clock tower. Let's move on to the product itself. Cool. Uh, of of course, in general terms, the product is insurance, but insurance is split into to numerous categories. And these are known as uh, lines or classes of business. As an aside, uh, kind of the phrase class underwriter has always amused me. Um, And I'm not entirely sure why, but whenever I hear it, I just smile inwardly. Well, you'd like it's nice to be called a class underwriter, isn't it? It is. It is. Once again, that's irrelevant. Um, But we're going to play another game now. And you're going to ask me various questions. And this game is called... 
Marine versus non-Marine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, 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 I stole your thunder there. You're, 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 Ed, Ed, you, you do it. This game is called Marine versus non-Marine. This is fun. So when I was looking at um, when I was going through LM1, which is London Market One, that's the like training book for all new budding insurance professionals in the London Market, right? So it goes through a lot of the definitions and what all these things mean. And um, when I was going through this first time, I just saw marine insurance and thought, what, is that marine insurance? And apparently there's things that are marine insurance that I didn't expect would be classed as marine. And so I thought I'd ask you, I'll give you the header as per the LM1 book, um, exactly as it's written. And then you've got to tell me if it's marine, non-marine, or perhaps even aviation. Okay. Right, so let's start with an easy one. Shipbuilder's risk. Oh, marine. Okay, what about jeweler's block insurance? Non-marine. Well, it can be non-marine, but actually <laughs> it's in the marine section here. But they say also it could be non-marine. Um, but jeweler's block is aimed at, like, um, it was introduced by by Lloyds, apparently, around the time of Cuthbert Heath. Who was it was Cuthbert Heath introduced, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's um, jeweler's block. We then got fine art or specie. I kind of see the same thing, but fine art and specie insurance. Um, I would say that was non-marine, but I feel as though I'm probably wrong on that. I think you're probably wrong. Yes. Um, <laughs> so so uh, yeah, and this can be like so fine art, for example. It can include um, museums, private collectors, and it's not just. Like it comes really from the transit and cargo insurers understanding, you know, how to ensure risks in transit. But they're also when they're on display in, in fixed positions, it's also still classed as marine. And this is at Lloyd's. This is at Lloyd's. Yeah. This well, this is London Market. This is London, London market. market. Okay, London Market. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the London Market Insurance Essentials book. So, yeah. uh, okay. So next up is satellite pre-launch insurance. I'll go with aviation on that one. I'm afraid you're wrong. It's marine. So marine. it's pre-launch. <laughs> it's pre-launch. It's basically treated as cargo. Okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, okay, so last one I'll do is um, bloodstock and livestock. Bloodstock and livestock. Uh, well, that's definitely not aviation. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go with non-marine again. Winner, yeah, you got it. I'm there. I'm there. I mean, all, all of this is already beginning to show that these uh, these delineations, these classifications of, of of lines of business are they're permeable membranes, and and there's yeah. a huge amount of overlap because there are some words which crop up um, kind of regularly. So one is specialty, mm -hmm. um, not speciality. Speciality, um, yeah, yeah. We've all made that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so specialty, and I'm not sure there's a strict definition of it. Um, if there's one, if there's a definition of it in LM1, kind of tell us. But um, certainly my understanding is that it's basically it's a broad category um, with no neat definition and is used by different insurers in different ways. And basically it sort of means anything that is not covered by a bog standard insurance policy. I, I think that's vaguely what is meant by specialty. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have known the definition of it, really. I just kind of see Lloyd stuff as specialty, <laughs> like just put it one in that bucket. But I guess it's probably a bit more refined than that. 
Yeah, and uh, then you have property and casualty, which on face value is an odd combination to begin with, because you know property is obviously property, but casualty, once again, it's a broad category. Um, you know, at its narrowest, it, it covers public liability, um, which is you know the liability of someone to the public, um, products liability, employers liability, but actually some insurers use it on a much broader basis than that so I, I saw one website which had specialty was a subsection of property and casualty so it's it, it, it that's another hugely broad category but at least you're saying it in full you're saying it in full you're saying property and casualty so other people say pnc pnc and it's like okay i get pnc now but like when people do those pnc and you know uh, pmi and whatever like you know i've i've always got to <laughs> it takes me a second to think what is that one again <laughs> Yeah. So and and yeah, and you have E and O and D and O and all of those as well, aren't they? Exactly. Yes. Acronyms are are the curse of any any organisation. Um, another broad category is financial lines that is uh, is is used um, as well, and that also means different things to different insurers. I'm literally about to go and meet a financial lines underwriter after this. So well, uh, I'll, 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 I'll brush I'll, up on what it means. I'll ask him or her what 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 they mean by it, um, <laughs> but yeah, but it for other insurers it, it overlaps with casualty, and almost all of it falls within specialty. So I, different insurers will categorise things differently, but in ways which usually overlap. But you've already mentioned specie earlier yeah. on, um, and uh, on, on on LinkedIn I, I put a message out. Few weeks ago, stating um, you know if you have words that you you know we're going to be talking about insurance jargon. Well, what do you want to raise? And two or three people raised specie um, as a one because it's it's basically one of these old English words which has died out in every context other than insurance. Insurance, um, yeah. and they's now used in insurance in a way in which it wasn't meant originally. So specie simply means coins. Really. Yeah, wow. so it's not not notes, but coins, and and more properly, sort of bullion, um, gold coins, and and things like that. So, so that that's that's what specie is originally, but now, it basically just means valuables, doesn't it? As I understand I think it, so. like random valuable things that I don't know. Yeah, that's why yeah. that's in my head what it means. <laughs> so we should basically just call it valuables insurance yes. rather than specie. And, uh, and and finally, before we move on, uh, we should say a shout out to, to the ironically called all risks policies, uh, which most definitely do not cover all risks. Not all risks. <laughs> so they, they should be called some risks policies. <laughs> uh, so just to finish this episode, uh, we're going to do our top 10 words, top 10 insurance words. Uh, but my, my, the 10th top word is claim, uh, which is a wonderful word because is often used uh, in lots of policies with two completely different meanings in the same contractual document. So it can mean a, a claim by a third party against the insured um, and at the same time it can mean a claim by the insured against the insurers. Okay so my word scratch? Well, I think it just means when, when a Lloyds underwriter scribbles something on on a note or something like that isn't it it's just that's their scratch <laughs> a great word it. it is a great word um so eighth is another word which has two completely different meanings um so reserve um so that's what the, the you know the money that an insurer puts aside to pay claims 
but it also means uh, when insurers reserve their rights and uh, kind of say, actually, we're thinking about whether this is actually covered by the policy. Uh, so my, my next word, it, it kind of, um, so fac. Yeah. So facultative. Facultative. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I, was, I get confused with the fac and non-fac or treaty. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, fac, I mean, it's just a great word on its own, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's very Father Ted, isn't it? <laughs> fac. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Reinsurance has its own completely separate jargon, but yeah, the facultative is is reinsurance of an individual risk. Treaty is reinsurance of a group of risks. Um, How do you got the proper definitions? Ever the professional? Ever? Or I'm making it up. Uh, The sixth (laughs) one is binder, um, which I think technically means that sort of temporary insurance which people tend to use as a synonym for binding authority, which takes us back to MGAs and cover holders and things where, where an agent has an authority from a, a, either a syndicate or a company to, to write business on their behalf. Then my next word is bordero, which I actually Googled the definition and it's like the translation from French is to slip. And I thought, interesting, because it's different to a slip. So <laughs> 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 the definition of slip. So um, bordero, the bane of many people's lives. Yeah. Uh, the fourth, uh, inception, which uh, is obviously the start of a policy. Why we don't call it start or commencement, I have no idea. We call it inception. Um, but all I can think of is dreams within dreams and uh, Christopher Nolan movies. But uh, yes. uh, that, that, that's, that's the fourth, that's the fourth uh, word. Okay, so um, um, hard hard market or, or the flip side, soft market. And so this was, people were talking about this a lot when I joined Lloyd's about us having the first hard market in a long time. I rationalize it as hard means hard to get insurance. So the prices go up because there's not enough capacity um, behind the scenes. And so prices go up and some people basically can't get cover unless they pay a lot of money for it. So it's hard for them to get cover. Whereas soft market is the flip side when prices start coming down. Um, the second word, a couple of people mentioned this on LinkedIn, is, is IBNR. So it, it incurred but not reported. It's a, it's a, it's a method of reserving. Um, so uh, it's, so it, it, incurred is when a, a risk occurs and therefore insurers know that they're going to suffer a loss. So they have incurred a loss. But not reported means it hasn't expressly been notified to them. So, so most losses are incurred and reported. So, if you, if you crash your car, then it's reported. But for example, if if, if you write loads of uh, property stuff in, in Florida and a, and a hurricane comes through, then you will know that you've suffered lots of losses, even if they haven't been notified to you yet. So, they are incurred but not reported. And sometimes it's used much more generally than that, just as a sort of a top up of reserves. But anyway, that, that's IBNR. And the winner, Ed, the, the, the winner of our top 10 insurance words is... The pen. The pen. Give me the pen. I've got the pen. It's old school. It's so old school. And, and, and what does the pen mean? Well, it's so old school, isn't it? You've got literally, you know, you're the one that's there that can sign it, you know, underwrite, write your name under it. You're the one that can actually write the business. You've got the pen. I like that. Yeah, it's a wonderful phrase. And as you say, it harks back. I'm, I'm amazed we don't call it the quill or something like that. It's uh, yeah. that, That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that's our top 10 insurance words. And uh, apologies if we haven't mentioned your favourite words or, or phrases. 
Uh, it's probably because we've got no idea what they mean. So uh, things like cascading risk transfer, uh, bumper shoot, or bumper shoot, I've got no idea how you even pronounce that, and, and sistership, which is apparently something to do with product recall, I think, something like that. Um, anyway, to conclude, Ed, all of this is kind of lighthearted, but there's a serious theme to it, which is what bit of advice um, would you give to an insurance insider talking to an insure tech or someone else who is currently outside the insurance circle? Right. Well, I there's a very controversial figure at the moment, it's Elon Musk. And um, I was reading a tweet about what he wrote to his staff at Twitter. And I thought this is something we should take on board in insurance in this scenario, talking to an outsider. Um, so be clear, not clever. Avoid nonsense words or technical jargon because it slows down communication. Instead, choose words that are concise, to the point, easy to understand. So don't try to sound smart, but be efficient. So I kind of like that was something one of his kind of tips he sent around his firm. And I think it's kind of a good one. Be clear, not clever, essentially. Thank you, Ed. That was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. RPC Radio. Thank you so much for listening to Insurance Covered, which is an RPC production made possible by Joe Burgess and Mary Mitchell. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will also love our other podcasts, Taxing Matters and Money Covered, plus The Fix, which is co-hosted by my colleague Kelly Thompson. If you want to be a guest on Insurance Covered, please email me at peter.mansfield at rpc.co.uk. Thank you, and I hope you have a great day.